Yeah, I was asking about Albany and what it's like. And I know you said you grew up there. That's where you're from. And we were discussing your career before Berkshire Bank. Yeah, so just tell me a little bit more about that and like where you went to. Yes, as I mentioned, I grew up in Albany, left you know, shortly after college, moved down to the Northern Virginia area with my husband. He was in the Marines at the time. And we so we spent some time there, but he wanted to be a New York State trooper. So that meant we, we had to come back to New York. And so when I came back, one of the things that I really wanted to do, and why I don't know, but I'd already majored in political science. So I wanted to get into government. Uh, I was in law school, but then that didn't work out, so, right? <laughs> and uh, so I ended up finding my way into government. But what really intrigued me about public service was having heard this governor speak with such passion and clarity around the role of government uh, to help people and the importance of a living wage and all that. So I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to work for the governor of the state of New York. So when I went back to Albany, I thought, huh, I'm not really sure how I'm going to do that. Because, <laughs> I mean, I don't know him. I'm not, my family's not in politics. Right. And Albany is all about political connections. Whether okay. it's on a sale level. Okay, so that's what you're telling me. I was like trying to figure out yeah. what is it about. That's okay, got you. Right, so that's it. That's where it is. And uh, not a lot of private sector opportunities at that point. And folks are not talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. No, the lingo then was affirmative action. Oh my God, right? I hate that Yes, lingo. yes. And so I would, I wanted to avoid that like nobody's business because the folks that I knew in that space were very limited. Yeah. And as good fortune would have it, one of the women that I had hired as an intern at the state university system was then working for the labor department. And she knew I was back and I was looking for employment. So she said, oh, you wanna work in our communications office? We are hiring some folks for communications. Sure enough, I got the job in communications office at the state labor department, getting to know the commissioner very well because we were his mouthpiece, so to speak. And uh, did a lot of work getting to, to know the labor unions. In New York state, it's very much a union organized state. I didn't know that. Yes, yes, especially in state government. Because you always, we, I, I don't think, I think a lot of people, when they think of New York, they think of New York City, Absolutely, right? Absolutely, yeah. That's what they think, Wall Street and money. So when you think of, and there's others, outside, obviously cities outside of New York. Yes. So then, so that would make sense because then if it's labor, it's all those factories and steel mills and all those things that existed. So that's very interesting. Okay, yeah, cool, gotcha. Yeah, very much private sector unions and public sector unions. So being at the Labor Department at that time, having a governor who was very much pro-labor, you really got to be on some of the more cutting edge at that point kinds of issues. And so there was a lot of visibility in that position, believe it or not. Things just started to fall into place. So I got elevated within that department, then started working for one of the other deputy commissioners. And I heard about a vacancy in the governor's office. But at that time, having two young children, I what, thought... Which governor? Was it Governor Cuomo? Was it was Cuomo? Mario Cuomo. Oh, it was Mario Cuomo, It was Cuomo, the yeah. dad, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've been around a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, so I thought, oh, I don't know. But a friend of mine called, she said, oh, you should really go and apply. And I thought, I have two kids. I can't do this. They work all the time. And uh, she said, oh, but they're trying to change. They want to be more family-friendly. So uh, in retrospect, that couldn't have been further from the truth. But needless to say, I'm like, why not? Why not go interview, see what it's about? 
I got the job. So I became the assistant secretary for labor. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Working for Mario Cuomo for two good years. And I say two good years because he did not win re-election. Oh, my God. Yeah. So then what happened? You got to go do something else. Yeah. I didn't really have a choice. The new administration did not want to keep me, oddly (laughs) enough. Yeah. But but the folks I dealt with were very kind, but people in the state agencies really bear the brunt of it. Yeah. So what was the next step for you after that? So the next step was unemployment. Yeah. Yeah. So I never experienced that. I was fairly young at that point. Two kids, uh, husband on the state police. So he's working all kinds of crazy hours. And I'm like, oh, so what am I going to do? Because I did not have a safety net. Most people in government come in through the merit system. And we could talk about that in a different uh, setting. But yeah, so that's how they usually come in. I was appointed. So I had no, like, civil service protection whatsoever. Yeah, so then if somebody would leave office, you lost your job. But usually with that comes a lot of connections, so then you can move to the next one, usually, or not. But, Cuomo, this would have been his third term. Mm -hmm. So all think about how many people had connections, right? wow. So that just all left. Wow. Yeah, so I wasn't up that high. And so a lot of us were looking at that point. Yeah. And, um... Around that time, Albany had a new county executive who was looking for good people to add to staff. And so I ended up talking to him and getting an offer to be an economic development policy analyst. Oh, really? For Albany? Yeah. That sounds like an interesting gig. It was very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So countywide, we had a couple of loan programs. We're really trying to get out you know, in the community and, and really talk to folks about the availability of these funds that we were administering and really became very close, closely aligned with the local chamber of commerce. Yeah. Yeah. So they were doing a lot of our economic development stuff too. So how did you go from all of that to in banking? That seems like a leap or is it not a leap? How did, how did that well, transpire? I mentioned earlier that when I left state government, all these many years later, I've been with the state controller's office. So I was a deputy controller for human resources and administration. So with that comes just a wealth of responsibilities from you doing HR stuff one minute to financial management. We had a annual budget of probably about $485 million. Oh, wow. And what that included was like we have the state controller's office has two large audit shops, one for state and local government and uh, one for just municipalities in general. So state government, local government. And, and I think one of the largest in the country. We also oversaw the pension fund for state and local retirees. That's huge. Right, as well as members. So more than a million members. And the size of the fund is huge. It's in the trillions of dollars. So being a part of hiring staff who would administer that fund. Was wow, a, that's... Yeah, uh, part of the responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. So then all that happens and all fast forward, you're at... Berkshire Bank, did they, they look for you or did you apply or what, what was, how did that happen? So when I left state government, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, I was recruited by the local chamber of commerce. So remember that commerce, that chamber of commerce I mentioned like many years ago, well, it's now morphed into a regional com- chamber and they were, had done a survey of their members, like a 1400 members around diversity, equity and inclusion as well as talent, attraction, and retention. And what came out of the survey is they wanted to create a position to have someone come in and support the membership around DEI. 
as well as talent. So I meet with the CEO of the chamber, let him know I'm leaving state government. Well, we have this new position. Yeah, I heard that you might be well suited for it. So we talked about that and I thought, okay, maybe I won't really retire. I'll, I'll, I'll do this. And it was a new opportunity, right? It did not exist before. The members needed some assistance. I had a little bit of a background in that area. And I really felt that what I could bring to the table more than anything is the understanding of how uh, businesses need to operate and then how they could truly benefit from having a robust diversity, equity, and inclusion program. And I'd had to, like, even with the Comptroller's office. I oversaw the, our own MWBE program. I had to unique insight. Yeah, yeah. And also, you could bring that to bear because you all those connections and people you knew, you could bring over. Oh, that was really great. Yeah, you were definitely suited. Yeah, that all worked. And but there's a point in time where when I was at the chamber that I felt like there was so much more that I could do in the space, given some opportunity to really focus on it. So I left there, started my own consulting firm in late 2019, like August 2019, I finally got my official LLC. So I was like, oh yeah, Dixon Consulting. Yeah, that's right. They're like, okay, so now I need to generate business. (laughs) And so I really, I started my planning. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to join the chambers, right? We have a upstate New York Black Chamber I joined. We have the Capital Region Chamber, which I work for. I joined them and also Rensselaer County. So I'm like, I got that covered. I'm going to be out there networking, getting my consulting business out there, meeting with folks who I worked with in the past, see what they're doing in this space. So I have my plans. And of course, COVID happens. (laughs) That killed everybody's plan. It did. Because I had been talking with one of the local counties and they really were very interested in what I was doing. They wanted me to work with I laid out my proposal. I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to really keep me going for this is going to be really good work. And I never heard this day, they never called me back. Wow. (laughs) Like I never heard from them. I'm like, really? I sent nice emails. I called them, you know, oh messages. God. And I'm like, what happened? But COVID was happening. But, and this is not with any, even when I, I think about how this transpired, it gives me pause because of the gravity of it all. George Floyd. Yeah. Right. And how that was just like. It was a conscious changer. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. The, for the country. Yeah. It felt, there was a real shift. Right. From people really trying to get your attention around DNI to we need some help. Exactly. You know, can you come in? We're not really sure what to do. We can't just call in our two black employees and say, "Tell us what we need to do and say." It was people are really feeling yeah. upset by that, right? And, and um, how can you do more intentional work around? That? I think that's where people are also trying to figure. They out, really right? were, and I think in honest and earnest, they were really trying to do that, be more intentional about their approach. And for some people, I just had a conversation today about someone saying not really having that awareness about really how difficult things were for so many of their fellow citizens yeah. in the, in this country, our country. So. Yeah, I know for me, when people saw George Floyd, I was like, okay, so this is the one that gets you out of all the ones. <laughs> but everybody had to focus, right? You had to stop. You stopped and working. That's what and I just, said yeah. to people. Because of COVID, we all had to take a pause. So we were home where we would not ordinarily have been. Exactly. We didn't have a lot of noise around us, whether it's the commute or the work or we were home. And, and I think because of that timing, it was jarring for so many of yeah. us. Yeah. Because I'll never forget 
think I was just watching a broadcast of something and I see it unfold and I feel my husband's there downstairs working on like, I think I just saw a man lose his life. And he's what? And that was like, like in that moment, I'm yeah. like, I think I just witnessed it. It's, just, yeah, it's like a snuff film. Those would be underground. You would never see that. You would never see that like in live person yeah. that that would actually happen. Yeah. Yeah. It was for black folks. It was super traumatizing. So now fast forward, Berkshire Bank is moving more towards DI. And so now you're connected and you're there now. Right. So did you start applying or did they reach out to you or? So as I was doing the work that I was doing, so remember I talked to you about more focus. So I left the chamber so I could have more focus on the board. And what I found is that I really had several great opportunities. I worked with a community college, private sector, public, but I felt like I was, I was like sprinkling in and going, good luck with that. So I, I think I helped you out, but good luck. And there was kind of, I'm an organization person. I like being a part of organizations and, and moving organizations forward and whether it's through leadership development or yeah. middle managers really working with them. So that was lacking, right, yeah. in my opinion. So I started to really look around and say, well, if I could do this, for a company, what would that look like? Who would that be? Yeah. Does have to be a particular sector? And then I happen to receive a um, a request about, are you interested in something that it seems like this would fit your background? I'm like, oh, let me check it out. It was Berkshire. Yeah. yeah, I think you landed at a really interesting place at an interesting time with Berkshire Bank. We've worked with them a lot and found them to be very open. When, when I, I was a part of chairman, chairing the Black Economic Steering Committee to get that organization up and going. And I ended up meeting Lori and Lori and Gary Levante introduced me to Sagan and Malia. And it was just, they were all about it. So I was happy to see that you're on board. So now that you're on board and you've kind of are following up on some of the things or building on some of the things that have been done, what is your vision as the officer of a diversity and inclusion for Berkshire Bank now? Where are you trying to take them? So one of the things that I always think is important, you know, no matter what position it is I've taken or where I start, is I always try to look at what has happened to date and I think there's value in there and what has been built, you know, it's built for a reason. Right. And can we build upon that? So you're not starting at ground zero again. And so my initial um, approach is to really look at things like Revex Labs as an example, being embedded in the community, trying to bring resources to bear where there's truly a need right? and where those relationships don't ordinarily exist. And so really saying working in concert with Lori and Gary and other folks within Berkshire, can we expand this? And if not, then what can we do that's very similar? Because that is still needed. But I also believe that part of my vision would be to ensure that DEI is fully integrated throughout the business processes. And that can be very challenging when you work with folks and you align the business leaders and nothing against anyone. It's just the natural course of business. You have a responsibility to make these widgets. This is how you're going to yeah. make them and produce them and get them out the door. Now someone is coming in and saying, hey. I'm not saying you don't make the widgets. I'm just saying we don't have all the people who need to be there with you making them and having input into that process. So now let's step back. What you do, you do it very well. My question to you is what are the other opportunities that we're missing because we're more, not more diverse and inclusive? Yeah, you were like, what? Because, yeah, because you're saying, 
let's not leave money on the table. Let's not miss those opportunities and open those minds up. So how is how are you approaching opening that up for for a, for a bank as big as, as Berkshire Bank? So part of my my goal is to not make DEI a mystery. Mm-hmm. What it is and why why is it important is okay. Well, let's say that you make loans to small businesses. Who are you currently making those loans to? What do those folks look like? Do you think that's representative of that market that's really available to us? And if it's not, what more can we do? Yeah. Let's define what our baseline is and what that more is. And then let's go figure out a way to go after that strategically. Yeah. So that's what I'm I'm working with. So that's my process. Mm-hmm. So let's look at your, let's look at how you do business. Yeah. All right. So let's take a look at that. And I'm not saying you're not successful at it. I'm sure that based on whatever, however you've been defining that, you're still here, so you must be right, successful, right. right? Doing what you're doing. But there's a segment of our population that is not representing those numbers that we're serving. So what more can and should we be doing? So is there a reward system for that? Because because I think a lot of times when people think of, I know you use the word affirmative action, people are like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. So that was old language and terminology. But now DEI work is, how do you make it not laborious and and it's more incentivized? And you're saying, well, we don't want to change a process, sorry, successful, but how can we optimize it, right? Through diver- diversity, ex- equity, and inclusion. Like, how are you approaching like creating, is there any incentive programs? Are you looking at in the processes or how are you doing that? So I think it's important that we look at, because I think that's a critical question, is if I'm not incentivized to do this or think about it differently, then guess what? I'm, I'm probably not going to do it. And so th- to me, that's the, the question that we have to answer as part and parcel of this. And so I think it comes out of these discussions and then the action. So because of where I sit, currently I report to the executive vice president for human resources and culture, right, for the bank. But I also have is that our, we recently revamped the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. And on that committee sits the CEO, Nitin Mahatre. Wow, okay. The COO, Sean Gray. Okay. And Angela Dixon as co-chairs. And that's so, a difference. That's a huge that's difference. That's a huge difference. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. When I'm, as I talk with you about this, that's the same way I'm talking with them about my process. And so when I get to, so part of this needs to be that folks need to see the benefit exactly. of them changing the way they've been operating or looking at other populations to support. I got them right there with me, right there in lockstep. I think, first of all, that's exciting. And I asked you a question. I've worked with Berkshire. First of all, I think the Revex Lab, which is you guys' new banking model, I think it's innovative. That's like in the urban area, like Roxbury. And when I walked in, it didn't look like a bank. Mm-hmm. I love that. It looked like a, a community place exactly. that I could meet. I found out there was a lot of all these wraparound services around like that. Like I was like, I've, I've never seen that before. So I thought it was revolutionary. And then the products following it, because for me, I look at what kind of ecosystem are you building around successful DI goals and visions and objectives for the black community as it relates to our relationship to banking. And that was the first time I'd ever seen anybody thought about it like that. Like even with the runway project where they were going to do the film Friends and Family or the Futures Fund. And are you also thinking about it in terms of that? Because sometimes even the banking process is disenfranchising or the requirements for you to get a home, a credit or being banked can be um, 
daunting to a community that doesn't have initial family tradition or generation of having relationships with the bank. So how are you guys addressing that? Or how are you looking at that as diversity, equity, inclusion? Right, officer? right. And, and I, I think that's a critical piece of it. And that's why I really, I felt like you do about Revex Live. So I'm like, what a great concept, right? Because it's saying, let's not look at banking in our traditional way. Let's really look at what the community would need in order to really engage with us first and foremost around being an individual, having an interest in financial wellness, having an interest in perhaps being an entrepreneur and then how we can fully support that from soup to nuts, right? From the beginning to end, rather than, hey, come open this checking account. (laughs) Which is usually what they they do. That's it. I love the fact that you said uh, it's it's transactional and we know that the history of of black folks and people of color, we don't trust back. So then therefore it's the other two shall be. I just do what I have to do with you. Then I'm out. Exactly. Yeah. I come here, I'll deposit check for then I'm gone. But no, it really is about that relationship piece to really move toward a relationship. And to that point, sometimes you have to do things differently. And that not having a relationship significantly impacted us during COVID-19 because there were businesses. We heard about the PPP that, Paycheck Protection Program. But by the time we got in line, the resources were depleted. They were were gone. Meanwhile, on the other side of the street, right, the gentleman who is maybe a white male. Who has an accountant already. Who has an accountant. Who can fill it all out. The accountant's calling him. Hey, Bob, you need to get get ready for this. I'm sending you the paperwork this afternoon. You do this. I got most of it filled out for you. Exactly. Just take a look at it. We did not have that. Yeah, because I remember being chairman of the steering committee for BC. I had to, we we had to tell Greylock to could, could you offer a technical assistance class to take people even through the loan on how to fill it out. And they had never thought about it. They had never thought about it. And he was like, yeah, cool, we could do it. But then we had to go out and recruit all the black fitnesses to come and the women. And I'm like, how come you guys didn't think about this? Exactly. Right, already. And I, I, and when you talk about that, I saw in your um, presentation about the technical assistance, which I think is so important. But the Revax Lab, to me, builds in the trust of the community because I think black people have been taken advantage of or people of color when they've given personal information. Mm-hmm. And how can we build a better relationship with individuals so they trust that they can do that and they know that when they walk in the door that somebody is actually going to take care of them. That's why I love that you, you guys call them relationship managers and not like bankers or personal bankers and things like that because I think it does start with the relationship. It really does. It really does start there. And I think when you were asking about the expansion of Revex, well, there's no plan at this point to create more offices or workspace or similar to Revex. There's still the interest in making sure that we have these types of relationship managers in other regions across our footprint because it is important. And I also think in areas where we've not traditionally had that or we don't have a Revex lab per se, bricks and mortar, that even working with trusted nonprofit organizations in those communities is important because they serve as that bridge. I'm in partnership with Berkshire. This is what we're doing to support you around home ownership because it is absolutely a daunting experience to go in and say, I want to buy this home, but I'm not really sure. And I don't know you. And I don't, and there's something about meeting you just now that says you have my best interest in heart. However, if I see someone who reflects me, I almost feel, oh, this might even feel more welcoming when I come in and sit across the table from you, uh, that we're going to be able to have a connection other than 
you just want my business. And quite frankly, we need to be positioned to have mortgage loan officers that also are more reflective of diverse communities. Exactly. So there's all, you, we want to establish an affinity, right? And so we need to do a lot more in that area as well. So you're here. Oh yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think that now that I know Berkshire Bank just made an announcement about how much they want to be more in the community. I think it was like $5 billion into communities. I know you were part of that unveiling and knew that it was all coming. But as chief diversity officer, how how was it that you were communicating to them that they need to make sure that this $5 billion they're going to do is going to actually reach the most com- the community that's most underserved in a way that is impactful. What was that conversation like and how, and what was your charge in that space? I know I'm asking, I'm asking really interesting questions. Ain't I? I'm all about it. I, I like it, but I'm like, well, first of all, I think Berkshire Bank is setting an interesting model. I don't think they're like absolutely to the most innovative, but I also think that there's some real interesting things that they're thinking about. So I just want to know, is your position, like, how are you thinking about it? And how, since, since you sit there and you have the ear of the president, like, yeah, we're going to put this five emails out. In, in our community, it's like, put up or shut up, what we say in terms of how we're going to impact. And you're like, this is a lot of money. Okay, how is this going to impact Black, Latino, women, mm-hmm. right? Because that is the new demographic moving forward. That's going to be the majority. So if we invest in that, and I love that you put that in your presentation, if in fact we invest in the Black communities and business, that would represent almost, that report also said it would represent 16 trillion dollars into the economy. Yes. I, I remember that report because yes. I read it. Right. So I'm like, how are you like positioning that conversation for them to understand that there's a big return on investment yeah. if you can uh, take and spend that $5 billion in the right kind of way? Mm-hmm. So that's a huge question. I know. And I love it. I love it. I love it because I think that is where the rubber meets the road. Exactly. I really do. And so I will, you know, there are multiple conversations with the folks who are putting this together because what always concerns me is that when you know these announcements are made, I'm left with the question, okay, but what does that really mean exactly. for? Because I've been around a long time and we we've seen these infusions of money and by the time it gets to those who we say we were trying to reach, it doesn't, or this not very much. So there are many conversations about, okay, kind of walk me through these numbers. Yeah, yeah. But it takes a lot, that's where you're That's a control in you right there. Walk me through this. Like, how does this work again? And I will have to continue asking those questions because it's a lot to get your arms around. So as an example, I mentioned that one of the focuses will be around first-time home buyers. What will that mean? Would that mean that we assist with the down payment? Will that mean that we look at different you know, ways that you define credit risk? What will that mean, practically speaking? And so I don't have the answer to that yet, but we need to start to build in what does more look like for marginal, traditionally marginalized communities. And I think we've done a good job of that, but it's, we're not at the end of that story. So I guess what I would say to you is that is that will be a work in progress, right, right. but I will have an eye toward, and I think, again, you mentioned Gary earlier, Lori, and all that we do, we're, we will be working collectively to ensure that we meet these goals. Yeah, it's interesting because I just feel, Berkshire Bank in the, in the past has been known, I don't know if it's this bank for rich folks that are very well financed. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, you're from here, right? That's like how, that's where people support you. That's where that's the brand. That was the brand. 
So there's been this new focus. So I'm just saying there's been a shift. So we're like, whoa, okay, this is like really cool. But when that five band thing got put out, they got posted up in Berkshire County. There was a lot of interesting comments because people had applied for mortgages and and didn't get them. So I think like really figuring out what those barriers are. And for Berkshire County as a whole, just so you know, there's a massive housing crisis on black people in terms of either housing or at the bottom and even as medium income for how for housing median income per two people in the house, we fall last because I sit on the economic practitioners board. So I really want to like work with you to engage that conversation and then partner up because I know you, Lori and Gary, we should really sit down and talk about that. Like, you know, and just say, okay, here's what's really going on in Berkshire County. And like you said, and maybe there's an opportunity to integrate some of the Revex Lab experiences here to really meet some of the needs that we want to talk about housing. There's also Black real estate owners, director of uh, neighborhood revitalization, Dubois. I would love to convene something. I would love that. Yeah, because I yeah, because I think that like that would give also you ammunition. Yeah. You like when you walk in and say, okay, here's what's happening in Berkshire County specifically as it relates to Black folks housing. What can we do? Would that be something that would be helpful? Let me just say from my point of view, that is exactly what I'm looking for. I do not want to miss the opportunity to really have an impact, not talk about it, but do it. And so that to me is, that is a sweet spot in my opinion, because I need to hear from folks who are on the ground, who live in the communities, what is really needed, what is missing, because having worked on policies, you know, you're working on a policy or what have you, but you don't really have a good feel for how it impacts the communities. And you hope that you create a policy that does do what you want it to, but sometimes you don't have those effects, right? Because you not listen adequately yeah. to those on the front line, so to speak, yeah. who have those experience. I agree with you. And I would love to bring those folks to bear. And we also have this idea jam thing that we can do, which is our design thinking, where we can actually bring the black community together to talk about housing. And we marshal a report on that. And that's something that we could do to help yeah, you guys out. Absolutely. Lori knows about it and stuff. So I think that that might be another way of getting um, a lens on it in a very unique way. And then then you guys can figure out how to best yeah, and what uh, invest. That product is. Yeah, what that product yeah. is that will help them move forward. So And I think if we could create something, <clears throat> excuse me, that works in a community and works well, then we can duplicate it, it yeah. right? Uh, but right now, you know, what I don't want to do is spend so much time shooting here and yeah. here that I have these misses and might miss the opportunity to really build upon something more meaningful that i think there's a real unique opportunity here for what i just said the focus group and the idea jam process with the black community itself around housing to really get targeted and like unearth and see what some of their ideas and stuff are but i also think that excuse me your perspective about what berkshire is known for versus what we want to be there's a gap yeah so then what are the ways that we start to close that gap? Yeah. Communication, authentic communication with folks in the community to say, what do you really need for this to happen? And I think that's why I was so excited about you actually coming here so we could finally meet instead of like on the on the ground, because I think it would be great for you to come down somewhere and introduce. I would love to walk in and have you meet Dubois and what he's doing with housing and Kamar, some of these other folks, and even people in the areas of Berkshire Regional Planning and things like that. Because Berkshire County is going through a housing crisis, period. There's so many people who want housing, but there's not enough stock. Okay. So then also you you have, and I think it's an easier problem to solve here 
because it's literally probably only 6,000 Black folks here in Berkshire County. Mm. So this is a great place to pilot and test some yeah. things out and then figure out how you see can have... See if we can scale it. Yeah, and see if you can scale it. So that's why I was excited when you're coming. I saw the email you because Lori, I saw Lori last week with the Black Economic Council uh, launch and she was like, Angela's going to be here. You need to hit her up. I'll hit her up so we can go out and grab drinks and something so if she had to leave or something. But I'm glad we had an opportunity to uh, connect in person. Yeah. yeah. And do this interview because we've been running, I've been running all around because we're sponsor of the event. We're doing the interview. I had to speak last night, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Hey, but, you have a lot going on. Yeah, but I really do appreciate this opportunity. I really want to work with you because I think that we're in a period of time where we have the attention of corporate around DEI, but I also still think that it's important that people understand the economic power people of color in our communities. That's what I was. And I think that gets missed so often. Yeah, and I'll share with you a little bit of the work that we've been doing a reset with the black community and some of the reports that came out. And I'll send you a snapshot of the neighborhood revitalization report we did from that, mm -hmm. right? Because okay. there were certain things that were positive, like ideal of a community development corporation for our neighborhood west side, which needs it that black folks need to have so we can actually, and then a community land trust so we can buy our own land. So these are, were ideas and strategies that were positing or switch up where mm -hmm. you can take a program where you can rent and then move up to ownership that moves your money into some kind of escrow or things like that where we think maybe programs that might help black folks yeah. moving up but also transfer generational wealth right because we don't do that in our communities we don't have it we don't have it so how can we begin to do that and how can we work with a bank and an institution to actually achieve that is really looking at um impact, what I call impact investment. It's no longer charity. It's like we need impact investments. And what does that look like? And so we're looking at creating those partnerships. And I think I'm really excited that A, number one, you came down with Lever. So, and I'm going to wrap up because with Lever, they have a theme and I'm asking everybody this question. Okay. This is my last one. Okay. They ask a question like, I mean, their theme is innovating how we innovate. And I've been asking people, like, what does that mean to them? Because we throw this word out, innovation all the time. But how do we innovate how we innovate from your lens as you're looking at it in your practice at Berkshire Bank? I think you have more people of color at the table. Yeah. <laughs> Which is not innovation. It's just like simple. You say it's not in innovation. I think it is. Because I, I think you. the creativity. Yeah. The understanding of what is truly happening, what truly makes a difference can really come to the forefront. And again, you may not agree with my approach, but we're going to really talk through that and we're going to say, we're going to get to a place exactly. that is innovative, right? So it's not, and I think that when there's a lack of diversity around the table, it's beyond, of course, just people of color. But with our experiences, we can, we see things and we can Think of how to navigate or create opportunities that are often beyond just ourselves. Exactly. So I do think that's innovative. I love it. And I think we miss that. We, we it, yeah, that's why it's needed. That's why George Floyd woke us up. But, and there's this book that Devin bought talking about the innovation of inclusion. And the more you people you have at the table, the more opportunities you have to create innovation because you bring those different perspectives or thoughts to the table. Yeah, there was a report recently that I was reading on like black women in, in, in the workplace and, and our voices being heard. And they were just describing the value of having diversity because at least 
there's that tension right between ideas. And when you start to that friction then creates other ideas and it requires you to do more work. Exactly. And you end up with a better product. So So, I think it works. This is great. So thank you. Thank you. Angela for giving me your time and and sticking around before you get on the road back to Albany. (laughs) And of course we got to get together and me and Chad come to Albany all the time. So we got to hang out. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. (laughs) And I'll show you more than state government. (laughs) And I'll definitely follow up on some of these conversations that I talked about because I think they're so important for this community. Yeah. I'd be really excited to work with you on um, on something in this year. All right. Let's fist bump. Boom. There it is. Okay. And you guys, 11 Innovation Summit 2021. We we even doing deals right now. We making stuff happen. All right. Let's take care.